0: Welcome to Straight to the Point, completely off topic. This is my friend, Hip. Hip, when your parents named you Hip, why did they name you Hip? I'm kidding. That's not Hip's real name. (laughs) Um, Hip is an amazing tattoo artist. And would you mind giving your handle at your Instagram so that they can follow along if they want to or see any of your work?
1: Sure, totally. So uh, my IG is at hip underscore 81
0: because underscores are a good idea
1: well uh, the domain of of hip or hip 81 was taken so and they're dead igs so like no one uses them but i can't get them so i just went with the underscore because i seen that was like trending when i got an instagram
0: i just heard a comedian making fun of underscores recently He's yeah because like, because his whole thing is was underscore so that he could have some unique stuff and he did it he like overdid it or something anyways <laughs> i didn't know if maybe it's turning into the new aol like i have a hotmail account so i still get laughed at from tellers and shit like that those spe- but oh a hotmail <laughs> <laughs>
1: i didn't even know that was still uh enabled
0: exactly that's the way everybody looks at me like that But it's like my name at hotmail so how do you get rid of And i'm one hotmail yes you are but hip um that's so people could follow along with your work but i i really wanted to have you on because of your work one with uh youtube as the tattoo guardian um, or as a member of the Tattoo Guardians. And if anybody isn't familiar, there's an awesome podcast and video on YouTube where Joshua Carlton, Matt Clemmer, and Hip get together and discuss any wide-ranging wide variety of topics that might be pertinent to tattoo artists. Is that a fair assessment? Totally, totally is. And then I don't know which we should get into first, because you're also a member of TBM. Which stands for the bowel movement? The bowel movement, yes, correct. <laughs> now the the the, <laughs> the big movement. No, it actually stands for tattoo business mastery. Am I wrong? Correct. Okay, so again, uh, as as a consultant, uh, he is available, and also as a um, because you're doing this one-offs with people too, right? You're not just doing the, the there's the classes where people are getting involved, but I've been really impressed that friends of mine, some very high level artists are working with the three of you guys in individual contexts too. Oh man. That's, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. We, we've had a a
1: good outreach. And again, like it's, it's, it's Clemmer's brainchild, the TBM. Um, And, you know, working with him for so long, I just um, kind of had a fix on, who he who he is and how he operated and he was kind of pouring into us first um before he started it and he figured out a way to formulate it to like actually get a blueprint to explain to people kind of like how to implement it in their life and in their business
0: Because i guess at one point it was all just a bunch of uh what catchphrases and one-liners of sorts yep, And it kind of need to be nailed down as like a a, a, a curriculum
1: correct yeah we we, we call them clemmerisms
0: okay that would make yeah. sense and, and matt clemmer is i hope to have him on eventually because um if my audience isn't going to bleed over and and watch uh tattoo guardians or listen to them because your, your guys are also available on apple and itunes and and uh, spotify and all that right correct yep anywhere you get your podcast so if, if you're not going to do that as well, then at least I'd like to because you got to know Matt's a fucking character, man. He's like a wizard. Yeah. Looks like one, too. Yeah. Like a literal. I didn't even mean it figuratively.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's figuratively, too, you know, both both ways. Um, it's yeah. uh, I, I often have to go on the. Um, more so the the offense of to let people know when they first meet him, like I'll pull him to the side and be like, now check it out. You're gonna think there's some something um you know ulterior motive with him, but this is just yeah. how he is, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he like people can't a lot of times in, in our day to day, we kind of have to not we have to shield our inner self, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I tell, you know uh, the the way that society's going, and in the way that there's everyone's trying to get all of us <laughs> divided, and not to mention just the tattoo industry in general. It's like you're not supposed to even be cool with other tattoo artists and tattoo shops. You got to fucking hate them and shit. And it's like right. uh, so cynicalism is already like a thing that that's just kind of programmed or, or birthed into people already. So when someone comes genuine and just like you because they like you even though they don't know you it sets a weird tone for people and they don't know how to receive it
0: uh you could liken it in my opinion because everybody loves mr rogers he was a great guy and avoided scandal (laughs) so awesome um and he was a great guy everybody Mm -hmm. loves mr rogers but if you met him you'd probably be a little bit off right you'd be (laughs) like uh I don't know, man. That guy's just way too nice for me to trust anything he's doing, right? And and Clemmer's kind of similar, but he really is that. My experience with him too. I met him. Uh, give, let me give a little brief backstory. Um, sorry to be so off the point too, because seems like we're just starting off on fuck hip, whoever the hell he is. Let's talk about <laughs> his friend, Clemmer. <Matt> <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 very important for TBM, the, the tattoo business mastery, which. Uh, I met Cl- uh, Matt when he was doing a seminar with Kyle Cotterman in Massachusetts, and the two of them teamed up to do a seminar. And we ended up learning way more about business and about our business, about what tattooing truly is and probably should be, than we almost did about tattooing. Maybe ten percent of it was on tattooing, and ninety percent was like, "Well, how do you get the clients?" That allow you to explore Who you want to be as a tattoo artist
1: mm-hmm.
0: Anyways That was what I like to imagine Was probably the beginning of that Because we got a lot from that And it was my first introduction to him I had no idea who Clemmer was I took it because Kyle Cotterman was there And if anybody isn't familiar with that motherfucker's work ooh, mm-hmm. It's kind of shit will make you want to bite your fingers off And just be like, All right, well, I guess I don't need a tattoo anymore
1: Right, or Spit. bite his fingers
0: off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on how violent you want it to be. But then he's a nice guy, too. You have a hard time with it. And, and At any rate, Ohio has been blessed. Are you in Ohio or Indiana? I am in Ohio. That's what I Now, now it's been blessed with some tattoo art history back then or out there. And uh, you are as a member of that elite echelon of people who can put your grandmother's face on your body and it looked like your grandmother's face on your body
1: yeah
0: i do that and it looks like texas chainsaw massacre so i have (laughs) to tip my head (laughs) that's not me saying that that's literally all of twitter thank you guys appreciate that it was accuracy days my only defense um (laughs) but she wasn't texas chainsaws i I don't know yeah i've seen you i've I've seen beautiful work that you've done but i also know that you have um a testimony of sorts like a history like you weren't always doing good work Mm -mm. no
1: i was not um and, and you're correct i've never had an official apprenticeship um tattooing i didn't even know what really it was about i got my first tattoo when i was 18 from a local legend glenn scott here he had a bunch of shops i would uh you know old school tattooer real good businessman. Mm-hmm. i got my first tattoo and like that was kind of it it wasn't until i went to prison um and one of my cellmates had gotten um a, a sleeve a paul booth sleeve so basically just another while name. he was inside yeah, well, what, it, what it was, was some people were sneaking in some tattoo magazines and, um, mm-hmm. it was the, the Paul Booth piece with, um, they, Jesus was crucified and there was like a demon nun and a demon Pope. Um, and oh, the, God. I, I think it was a back piece, but the, the inmate put it on the arm and he, you know, copied it verbatim, which, yeah. you know, I didn't know anything about that either, but I just remember seeing it and seeing human or humanoid faces on someone and that was the first time I realized like you're telling me you can tattoo people on people because even as as a young kid and being in high school and junior high like I just always liked to do portraits in in people's faces because it was always said that it was the hardest thing to do and you know I'm a martyr so I got to do the hardest thing there is to do Um, okay and I just kind of like fell in love with it and a couple dudes from um hilltop in columbus put a machine in my hand and had me do like a tribal design and they're like now inside of it like draw an eyeball or draw a fucking bird or a chicken or some shit and then if you fuck it up you, it's tribal so just color it in
0: black and it that um, was your your learning process pretty much this was yep. after you were locked down then you you it got out this was in prison oh they they put a real machine in your hand though. or you mean yeah. a a a it was a, a walkman or something
1: yeah yeah walkman motor attached to some batteries with a with a fucking pin spring for a needle
0: do you feel bad for these kids nowadays that they don't really get to use walkmans
1: i do man they just don't you know we're robbing them of their struggle
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well they're artistic i i've often felt that if we had more robust art um programs And art fields of career choices and, and uh, education to teach people that, Hey, there's a life here. Then I don't know that there, I, I, I think 25% of the prison population could have just been at an early age, third grade and on diverted. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think if I had more put into seeing that there was a career with that, because I knew I was good at it, but it didn't ever like we used to see the only thing we knew about artists was there was a commercial that would come on during the cartoons it was like starving artist sale come on down to such and such and buy all this artwork for your walls and stuff and we were like starving artist that doesn't sound good
1: right i i you know that's funny that you say that because i've always heard that term starving artist and like even as a kid like you know i was I was the kid that like didn't really pursue too much of my artistic ability and I had a boatload of it and um, I just had always heard the term starving artist and just assumed that like there's no money in this. Let me uh, let me become Tony
0: Montana. (laughs) Okay, that was (laughs) and that must have landed you. That's what I was about to ask what landed you in jail, but your, your aspirations of Tony Montana. Was that it?
1: It it was, um, and come to find out that I became my best customer. So, um, that, that, that led into the whole, uh, dope fiend, the geeking and creeping, um, and has just cost me, you know, so much, um, time. And to be honest, I'm on borrowed time right now. So that's why I always try to like live every, everything to the fullest. You know, I, I was never expected to be this old, um,
0: Why are you on borrowed time? What do you, where's this reference? What's what's up?
1: Um, well, basically, you know, like the statement, I, I, I never predicted to be this old. Um, I had other plans. I I was content with being, um, the guy that you would tell your kids not to be like, because (laughs) he had so much
0: talent. Um, just wanted to put it on your forehead. Cautionary tale, huh?
1: oh yeah like like if i could die and be a statistic that you could learn from that was basically what i thought my my
0: purpose here was going to be you did already say you were a martyr so you will die on it and you were like i want to do the hardest thing portraits Mm -hmm. yep right on and
1: self-destructive behavior was a big part of that and you know just getting caught up in the addiction um this is what put me, put me in, in prison and did you have trauma before.
0: that you're answering to kind of that that made you your best seller, or it was just such a good product.
1: Um, uh, well, you know, superficially, yeah, it was a good product, but ultimately I think that I loved life so much that I was too scared to live it. So I wanted to be numb to it. And yeah, I, I trauma I would say is, is in all of us. Um, From, you know, growing up without a father, Um, I always was a different kid, like, um, uh, very unique in in and out of behavioral schools, in and out of jail, Um, uh, talk shit, then you'd punch me in the face and then I'd run and tell someone, you know, like, um, just very cowardice and scared and wanted people to like me um, and was always looking for that attention that I never could get from my father. So I found out that if I just acted out, I got attention. It may not have been positive attention, but people were paying attention to me. So I just kind of rolled with it and
0: became what you knew, huh?
1: Exactly. And, 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 you know, my father, my biological father, he, uh, he died from alcoholism. He was supposed to take his um, insulin shot and instead chugged like a fifth of vodka and fell back and busted his head open. So needless to
0: say that the fruit didn't fall too far from the tree. Well, that, and that's a large amount of trauma. What age did he do this at? Did he pass away? at? Uh,
1: um, so I think I think it was 90 96 and he so he was gone all my childhood in and out like drunken um episodes and him and mom argue or she would like he would show back up from florida and and rent a hotel like a busted ass hotel room and my mom later i found out that she was the one that bought all the gifts um and he signed them as if they were from him and he just looked my mom made me believe that he was a superhero wow. you know she didn't use me as ammunition for him and never talked bad about him and around me um which is amazing and, and it's very uh it, it's something that that i appreciate um because i nowadays it seems like there's a kid involved both parents use each other and back talk to the child which shouldn't right. be.
0: but she was trying to create almost a mythic figure of like this guy's too good to be around us or something
1: yeah but that really sets
0: you up for i mean not not i'm not saying like she knows this but it seems as though it could really set you up for well then why isn't my awesome dad at the baseball game right Right? or like why isn't he taking me to the park my dad's awesome but i'm not
1: good enough yeah and you know um I, a lot of times in finding out through, uh, being in recovery, there was an instance where, um, and I've shared this a lot on the podcast, but, uh, we were, I was about three or four and my dad was threatening to kill herself and my mom threw me in the car with her, you know, we're, we're talking 80s. So I was in the front seat, no seatbelt. We didn't need that shit. Um, yeah. she drives to this, this, um, place out in the middle of the country that he's staying at like these, uh, this motel or, um houses next to each other <clears throat> and his front door is open she gets out the car runs inside i get out the car because i see my dad walking around the back um and he jumps in his pickup truck i grab the tailgate of his pickup truck and i'm screaming for him to stop and he's back you're it's, like three years old you say yeah four anywhere between maybe not three maybe that's an exaggeration i know i was very very young so like four right five. this is
0: early as memory but you're he, oh my, so you're in this dangerous ass spot too. He's I am raging and not necessarily sober, even. No, 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 he wasn't oh, sober. Fuck.
1: So I'm I'm holding on to the tailgate, and he's backing up, and I'm screaming like Daddy, 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 and then he pulls forward, takes off, and you know I'm I can't hold on, so I fall and tumble and roll right on
0: your face. Okay. Yep
1: and uh, he pulls out and goes down the street around a curve and gets in a, in a wreck and then gets a DUI. So like now I've noticed cops end
0: up coming to at the same scene. Has it become a whole day event?
1: I, I just remember that it was something bad. Like my dad did something bad. Um, and I don't remember seeing the cops or anything because by that point, my mom had heard me screaming and came outside there. She was again to save me. Um, but I've noticed, um, there's been a, uh, uh, a trend in my life that like, I've got like, a uh, I I like to say that I'm a mama's boy with daddy issues. So anytime, like I look up to an older male, I really want to like make them appreciate who I am. And anytime I let them down, I instantly resort back to being that little boy that was like screaming for his daddy. Right. Right. Um, uh,
0: this and, takes you know, some, you're working on yourself to know this brother, you're, you're going through some counseling or something for sure. Huh? Um, or you've been yeah. through, I should say,
1: well, you, you could call it counseling. So I, I'm a part of a um, an anonymous program. And, and in that, you know, we get workbooks and basically like repeat, like um, what we like to call step work. Um, and it's just, it's free counseling. Honestly, you just get mm-hmm. someone that's been there and, and gone through it to guide you through it. So I always like to say that, um, you know, it's spiritual warfare and imagine, uh, the person that's guiding me through it. He's standing on the other end of the minefield. He's just screaming back at me, like step right, step left, walk forward. He and he's guiding right. me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'll have, uh, only by grace, I'll have 10 years clean and sober, um, in March and Congrats. that whole thing. 10 years has been me like really be the same curiosity that made me curious to like squeeze a a vial of acid till the sides touch to see the sky melt is the same curiosity that when I found out that um, drugs were just the main symptom but there's so much more and I don't have a drug problem I got a me problem that really (laughs) enticed me to be like man what what does what makes me tick? Why do I do this? Why why? when I was a young kid, when I would draw something and everyone would tell me it was great, I would just like be in complete denial and scream at them, go and slam my door and then physically punch myself in the face because it wasn't as good as someone that I seen in school that was a couple <laughs> grades higher, you know,
0: <laughs> right? Oh my God, you fucking idiot. No offense, no. but you fucking idiot. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. i get it it. i i i um please i i I have a daddy issues too my dad died when i was young wasn't abusive in uh in in an absent way but in an overbearing christian way he he had his own abuses so there was all these traumas and competition so i I definitely understand how it feels (laughs) i i can empathize i can't say i understand how it feels though to um displease somebody like a a male person that you looked up to and then also if i'm not wrong i have this if you compliment my work i'm like i'd rather not hear it
1: man you know that and that's great because um you know i had a lot of imposter syndrome coming and becoming clean that i was becoming aware of um lack what's of... imposter syndrome help me with that so imposter syndrome is like let's say you're at a convention and you get a trophy Um, And you see that, like, let's say, you know, some of the people that are judging, you get the trophy and you smile and you take your picture and you walk back. But in your mind, you're like, they just did that to make me feel better about myself. But in the same hand, if you don't get the trophy now, all of a sudden you're like, this shit's fucking rigged. Like it's, it's bullshit. Like, so you're always an imposter.
0: Or like they almost did that. If you think on one hand, they did that for my benefit, then you almost think too, there's a chance either they did that for someone else's benefit or they did it simply to spite and hate me because they just hate me
1: right that- it's, totally totally is e- even now you know like um a lot i i deal with a lot of imposter syndrome like uh on the podcast because like the great joshua carlton my mentor matt clamor mm-hmm. i get to sit here we've interviewed saint mark and guy agents fucking nico awesome. like so many people and it's like oh my Who god am I to be doing this and I, i'll think that and then i gotta remember like you know what i didn't get this far just to get this far my feet are where they're at on purpose even this such mm-hmm. a compliment to be asked to do another podcast like um, and, and well, i appreciate you know, that man dude and, and it's such an honor because i'm just some you know in my mind i'm always that dope fiend from Ohio, that that uh, didn't, or that uh, kid grabbing yeah, a hold of that truck, that little boy that that his daddy didn't want, um, but yet here's people wanting my time and wanting to speak to me or learn from mm-hmm. me or teach me something. So it's like it just goes to show that sometimes our feelings are not always
0: reality. So I'm imagining that at the point that you can find wellness in this you you don't just address and recognize then that you have these issues around your father but then you almost have to one forgive yourself for having these issues around your father but also forgive him for any part that he would create of that because i'm sure at one point you have to begin to wonder what the fuck happened to him that would make anybody not want to be around their kid
1: man you know and i i always say that um expectations are premeditated resentments and being a little, being a little kid and not knowing any better. Of course, I expected my father to be there and rightfully so. But as I've gotten older and, and started applying like more compassion, understanding and empathy into my life, it's like, well, he was an alcoholic. He was sick. I can relate that to my experience. Have I ever done some fucked up shit to someone that they're probably still pissed at me for because I was an addict and fucking neglected that relationship. Yeah. So I, so I understand. And, um, my wife actually, uh, has been trying to find his, um, graveyard because there's no, there's no gravestone. And she told me one, one year, I think it was about a year ago. She's like, look, your dad was sick. Like we are um mm-hmm. and uh he didn't get help for it so here he is in the cold wet ground by himself that no one knows where he's at and i've also heard another addict share before that um part of their amends process to their father who basically did the same thing my father did was to like buy them a gravestone because you know like if, if i harbor that resentment and hold on to it all i'm doing is
0: is fucking myself over you know i thought yeah have you been able to find where he's buried yet?
1: You know, I don't know if it's karma or what, but like his birthday is October 24th. And, and for the longest time I would remember it. Um, and just kind of like give myself a moment on that day. But in the last two or three years, I, it completely skips my mind. It's almost like what he probably did with me. Um, and it's not doing it on purpose, but eventually, um, I'll put it to rest. You, and you know, like this, is how blessed I am. My mom um, got with a, a gentleman who's basically been my father and he's my stepfather. I've, I've actually taken his last name. Um, so my last name Sheltman is, is an adult adoption that I did, which was part of my amends process to him when I got clean. Um, but my, my original last name was pit Stick.
0: How awesome is it that you had, I guess you realize that now that you had someone that stuck with you, as i mean that's why that's why your immense process even existed but this this guy went through hell i'm imagining oh my god taking people with you that the the way the epidemiology of drugs is that it hurts your friends and family oh yeah like harder than you almost
1: yeah yeah it was uh it was bad i was i was the one out of uh the four kids that both you know five kids my mom had three my older sister and older brother and he had a son and a daughter and we came together and i fucking they couldn't hold a candle to me dude i'd set houses on fire in and out of jail busting beer bottles in the road keying cars shooting animals with paintball guns and fucking pellet guns like i was just constantly in some bullshit
0: is it a cascading effect of where you, 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 since you're not getting the attention that you need, which is love from your father, but you are getting attention, which is negative attention because it's what you found to get. But the negative attention can never be what you want. So you always are finding more ways to get negative attention.
1: Well, you know, it gets into that cycle of insanity, like I get negative attention, it's not what I want. Now I'm pissed off because it ain't what I want. But I'm too immature to realize that it's my actions that are causing the attention that I'm getting. If I would just be fucking normal, I would start getting a little bit more love from people. But... It's their fault. You know, I'm self-centered by nature. So I'm always trying to see someone else that I can point my finger at to blame them for the reason of why I am who I am or why I'm acting the way I'm acting. So yes, it would just be a constant cycle of insanity of get the attention didn't meet my expectation, get pissed, act out again. And before you know it, I'm so deep in it that now I'm starting to question like my belief system. Like, well, if there is a fucking God, fuck him. Cause he wouldn't have let this happen to me. And if there right. is one, I'm, I've done too much dirt. So he's forgot about me and just left me alone. Um, which ultimately doesn't serve me in any direction, but fortunately enough, um, my higher power when i got clean was a jury of my peers and a set of handcuffs because that did <laughs> be what i couldn't do for myself
0: and, and for people that don't in 12 steps one of the first things you have to do is is uh, admit that you're powerless to this drug or alcohol right and then you have to have a higher power because that thing is going to see you through and i've had some people who are agnostic or even atheists. And they explained that they're like, dude, I just had to have a higher power in a rock. I was mm-hmm. like, that rock is constant. It will be here before me. It will be here after me. And and, very, and that somehow worked.
1: Very true. Yeah. It's just, it's basically getting out of your own way and, and giving, you know, some people use um, the group uh, of people to, as their higher power because you know like right now like i've got goosebumps talking to you about this stuff um and it's entertaining on both ends i would imagine and it's like we are Mm -hmm. keeping each other accountable we're keeping each other entertained we're keeping each other positive so there's a power and an energy being created through this dialect right now and the same can be done because um yeah, I know tons of agnostic people. I got a friend who's a Satanist that's that's in recovery. You know, Muslim, uh, <laughs> Christian, Buddhist. Like now, as family. Satanist,
0: he's not the old school kind that we would imagine that then believes in an actual evil d- being that he worships with blood sacrifices. <laughs> but instead, he is more a troll to Christians or, or not? Pro, uh,
1: I, I'd say a, a little of both, probably more on the troll side.
0: okay i've got a friend that um is is become uh a satanist but he i mean when i really we really talk about it we're like dude you're just a troll you're just like (laughs) you're just like oh yeah is god super cool you know what (laughs) i think satan's cool boom Uh, (laughs) yeah it's like the guy that goes to the the ohio state game in a michigan jersey right oh yeah totally (laughs) It's <laughs> like i like it man it's what i'm into the, um at any rate uh i i love talking about our past when it's a little grimy like this for tattoo artists because well one my past is a little grimy but also i really do believe that given direction and understanding Uh, And as long as, as we work to have the tools, like your, your father didn't have the tools necessarily for recovery. And that maybe isn't because I believe it's probably because our society has progressed to where we recognize we need these tools. And so Mm -hmm. we make them available somehow. And so like, there's been a betterment of it. Now you're able to get these tools for recovery and see things different and begin to fix your own life projection But I mean, we we all hope the same then for younger people like ourselves who might be going through the same that don't know that they could be a tattoo artist. that don't know that they could have a life in art or creativity, which is or or even know why they're the way they are. And Mm -hmm. it's probably because you're not creating like if you're out there, you know, vandalizing. I mean, that's a step away from being a painter. I mean, so right? like, were you doing <laughs> right. graffiti before you were painting? No, I actually
1: um, have only like tagged one wall other than, you know, the, the, if I had a fucking permanent marker in school, I'd fucking throw a dick on anything that I could get away with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it, guess, it's it's the I'm same scream out, right? Like, Hey, look at me. Yeah. Like, like we, we, I, I, I feel kind of, um, I think that's why I I don't want people to realize that I want them to like me. (laughs) And so when, when I'm doing paintings though, I recognize that that's exactly what I'm asking for. I'm like, look at this thing I've created. Like me a lot. Uh, I don't want (laughs) to be around while you do though. I'm going to leave the room, (laughs) but please like it. Right. (laughs) I I, I think there's something about an angst there. Um, something about, uh, Whatever it is that it, it I so I go to a school and I talk my school, my former school, the one I dropped out of, Shh, don't tell the teachers there that have me at the school <laughs> to talk to their children about a career in art. <laughs> but I go to the art class of my and I talk to these kids about, you know, your possibilities of being a tattoo artist and uh, how rewarding it is for me. And um I've watched that class throughout the time actually i'm not even invited back now i wonder if they even have it it went from a dedicated art teacher to a gym teacher slash art teacher <laughs> to uh you know i mean it like the, the size of the budgetary giving to the art flat was just diminished
1: mm-hmm.
0: over these this this time that i'm watching and so much smaller already when i was talking to them it was smaller than when i was a kid there at the same high school and, and it failed for me to, to make me see that art could be my direction. That mm. that school, in my opinion, I mean, I, I I have to take blame for it, of course. But at the same time, I want to say that there were a lot of people who recognized my uh, my artistic ability, but were never able to help me connect that with, you know, a, a career or an idea right. of a future. And with that hopeless kind of outlook, I was ready for crime, especially after we smoked some of that weed and found out that uh, Nancy was lying about that shit. Right. You're like, well, <laughs> I wonder if she's lying about crack, too.
1: <laughs> this yeah. weed
0: is fucking dope. This bitch <laughs> don't know what she's missing. This right. Crude ass bitch. I bet she waited until she got married to have sex.
1: <laughs> good old Reaganomics man <laughs> I listen
0: to somebody's advice like that um, I, not that they fail but uh, I, I really strongly want uh, our us as just people to be aware that if we have bigger robust art programs then those people that you worry about breaking into your houses doing drugs on your lawn although they're not going to be there they're they're going to be diminished you know when you you worry about the people in in the homeless shelters and and but we don't make art available to children like uh oh that's i'm like let let me get off my soapbox actually about it
1: no no i i appreciate it because it's true and you know it's it's funny because i'm hearing this and i'm thinking about like you know, I've only been tattooing, um, nine years and I'm thinking about like all those old schoolers that are like, you know, uh, the gatekeepers, um, Mm -hmm. of the tattoo industry and the beautiful thing with the tattoo industry, right. Is it's bigger than us. So what I mean by that is like tattooing chose me. I didn't choose tattooing and people that choose tattooing, it will weed you out if you're not built for it. Um, but having an avenue of an opportunity to know how to get into it, you know, it's almost like, um, what is it like self? It's like an immune system, it, it's self cleaning and it will get rid of the viruses and the things that aren't meant to be there. Um, so it's like the more knowledgeable or, or more, um, more, um, uh, areas. What? to get into it or know how to get into it or know about it that become more available it's it's very true cuz some of those those criminals or or soon to be criminals could try it out and it could change their their life forever and they could get accepted into the tattoo industry and become a successful tattooer or maybe they're like man this ain't my bag but i like music or this really ain't my right. bag. I, I like oil painting, and I never would have experienced this if I wouldn't have, have dipped my toes into the realm of tattooing.
0: I I have a son who's locked up right now. Um, he's and when we go visit him, there's generally a really beautiful exhibit of artwork that some inmates have done, and. Your general thought when you know that someone's locked up and you might even find out what their sentence is, because it's always a curiosity, like that guy that did that beautiful portrait uh, that's out there in the front, like with oil, on, like who did that and how much time does he have? It's just a weird curiosity because you automatically kind of think, man, that's kind of a sad, wasted talent, isn't it? You know, mhm but that exists in there. Like, I don't think that guy was doing that before he got there. He found out <laughs> that that was his thing, you know? Yeah. And if he found it out here, then then we'd be further along. He'd be further along.
1: Yeah.
0: Um yeah. I I I think uh you're at, I'm I think I'm absolutely right. <laughs> no, but there they're more music, um, and these things keep being taken out. And we put in its place uh, we what one budget we don't touch in the high schools are uh, football. And uh, we we need bigger pillows for their heads when they're smashing into each other. And I'm not trying to preach against football. Uh, You know, we're living in Detroit here. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: uh, what that means is we didn't give a fuck about football unless we are going to college for the longest time because we have the Lions. And and, but now their season has lasted beyond Thanksgiving. I messed up and even thought that yesterday was today because I was like, wait, it can't be the Lions game. And I thought I had a podcast with you (laughs) and I don't care about football in the least because that's been bred into me for so many years of of not being able to have any pride in our football. But that the football stays the 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 sports that puts people in the chairs stays but the artwork that keeps people out of prison stays it it boggles my mind how we don't have a better understanding of the relations of these things and then more budgets devoted to them specifically because we recognize that i I mean some one statistic i've heard is that third grade and i could be completely misusing this i guess (laughs) but a third grade um statistics for enrollment in classrooms are equal to with the amount of the number of people that are not attending at third grade you'll have that same number of people in in the jail cell from that area will that will also be incarcerated oh wow um, and statistically go up and down and fluctuate from area to area but with that arm, with that knowledge it seems like a relative easy fix to begin to make sure enrollment is you know going on at schools i offering more to the people about what they're going to learn about i don't know now i really am getting far off track uh but one reason i'm stuck on education is because i feel like that's where uh tbm is of some sort it's a community of education am i wrong
1: man um It it totally is. So, um, back when, uh, when the earth stopped spinning, um, you know, we would see things on social media where people were just like bummed and depressed and like shops were closing down. People were having (laughs) to get other jobs besides tattooing. Um, and Matt created this, uh, place called uh the tattoo guardians um and it was a a platform that anyone could get into and it was just a safe place to like vent and like reach out for help during these like tough times with with the pandemic and everything
0: was it a facebook uh, page you mean a website that's yeah, was where the tattoo facebook. guardians actually originated
1: it, it was and So we, it's funny because like when we Carlton was like, well, let's call it the tattoo guardians. And we all three were kind of worried that like people thought that we were putting ourselves on a pedestal. Like we are the guardians. And like, it was more so for the community of our listeners. Like if you listen to us and if you agree and you want to leave tattooing better than you found it, then fucking you're a guardian, man. Like, like, so it's the guardians exist
0: in the comment section, not the, not the people. that that are necessarily the faces on the, on the videos in the podcast. I follow Exactly. Exactly. And, and
1: so he started that group. Um, and since he wasn't tattooing, he started thinking like, man, you know, he, and Matt's a dude that like, you know, he'll drop hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on coaches and like, you know, like the Tony Robbins thing, the Les Brown, like public speaking, um, entrepreneurship which is something that's that's really taboo and foreign to the tattoo industry because as far as that goes um you got seminars or you could buy a dvd Mm -hmm. uh, or when you go to a convention you go in and learn how to run a fucking nine liner at what volts and how to saturate and black and gray and all the technical ability of tattooing which is equally just as important well matt had a vision to like he's seen everybody's heartbreaking over this pandemic and then he just started instilling and like doing test runs and like beta runs and putting into words and into a curriculum of what he was basically like teaching us um and had teach other tattoo artists like at Brian brenner and truth and triumphs shop and stuff and and you know how you bared witness because you guys were still working was it uh during this time yourselves or no it I was okay. actually when, when everything shut down. I was at Carlton's shop guest spotting at Blackbrush and then ended up having to drive back. But, um, you know, Josh did an online seminar um, and Matt was running it by him. And that was actually when we got impregnated with the idea to start the podcast because it was Joshua's idea. But <laughs> at the same time, Matt was, was um, enrolling students on like a beta launch of what TBM was. And it was kind of like splatter shot, dude. Like we were literally upstairs at the tattoo shop in front of a laptop talking to like uh, maybe 12 students. And it was kind of just, um, just banter with climberisms involved. And then (laughs) he tried it again. He actually uh, his first seminar once everything started going, getting back was, uh, he, he got, he did a TBM seminar at hell city. Um, and I was tattooing, but, but I quit tattooing to like, see, uh, what, how many people were in there and no one showed up to it. And I remember being bummed cause like, I was like defeated for him, but he was like, well, right. it hurts, but fuck it. And he continued to push and push. And now, Every three months, we enroll fifty. We only let fifty students in, and it's all over the globe. We've got people in Russia right now, Poland, England, Canada. A lot of oh, people wow. from from Georgia, like the state Georgia, not the country. Um, okay, so just just students, students everywhere, and it's a it's a private group, and we just teach like money mindset. Um, that, you know, cause we're, we're programmed to believe that like money's this bad thing or it's evil and we shouldn't talk about it, but we try, try we, we kill the stigma of that and, um, into the things that you learned with the uh, seminar with, with him and Cotterman, um, to how to attract the right client, um, how to, how to nail a consultation and stay in, in the authority and the power of it, um. And then that's a that's a three month course. And then after that's over, um, if there's any shop owners, he's got seven figure uh, tattoo shop, which is a, a level up. And we're getting ready to start kind of like the next level of TBM for any students that want to continue it. But like, man, the magic that's been birthed out of there, like
0: seven artist, figure. I'm 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 still jaw dropped. Seven figure tattoo shop is is the course. Yeah,
1: that that's the that's the and that's a year long course, and he works with shop owners. Well, to... it
0: seems like that should fill up quick, <laughs> <laughs> well, unless it's... you're asking seven figures for it. It seems like the investment <laughs> is. At least I'm going to hold you to it. We'll we'll see you in small claims court about this one. <laughs> I'm making six figures. They're all nines, but damn it, <laughs> you said seven. All right. But that's awesome. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of uh, imagination that there is a and I've heard this from very successful tattoo artists, uh, not tattoo artists, tattoo shop owners. And sometimes I think there's a real difference in like if you want to be a technical tattoo artist, owning a shop will hold you back. I've Mm -hmm. experienced that. I do not own a shop now because I'm not as good as I want to be tattooing. I'm still learning. So I don't have the time to dedicate to babysitting but i've 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 ran into some people that were great and they didn't even some of them at least didn't even tattoo and uh and i asked them about their opinions on it you know there's almost forbidden a lot of times in the industry you're like he doesn't tattoo and he owns a shop terrible guy and it can (laughs) be however i know that you know this too sometimes it's the right fit like that guy is doing a business and he's doing it right and, and he's dialing it in. And that's what they told me about is they're like, there's imagination of a glass ceiling for ta- for, for, um, shops. They're like, you can't make this certain amount of money at a tattoo shop. It's just going to be right here. And any more than that, you're being greedy. You're ripping off your client base or any less than that. And you're ripping off your artists and, That was the imagination so they tell me and they're like it doesn't exist when you start to apply certain principles basically about getting clientele that that one becomes self-acquiring um where you're working on their friend and you're really working the relationships which i hear a lot of that from tattoo guardians and i know Clemmer, and that's got to be this huge part of it is is relationships with your client base is what's going to see you through a pandemic or see you through um, Christmas. (laughs) Totally.
1: And you know, um, Matt always says that people don't care that, you know, until they know that you care. So it's always genuine, authentic, And everybody has the ability to do it. I used to think that it was manipulation to try to get money from clients, but then I had to look at the big picture and I'm like, you know what? I do like people. Um, I'm an introvert most of the time, but if I look at it through my client's eyes, I'm in a tattoo shop 100% of the time. It's not weird to me to be in a tattoo shop, but that um, chick that's never been tattooed before that's excited to get her infinity symbol on her arm and she's never been into a shop and she's like singing her favorite song real loud um on the radio on the way to the tattoo shop only to walk in and be treated like oh it's another fucking karen that wants another stupid pinterest tattoo like i'm sure it's right. very <laughs> defeating but if you stay and think about what it's like for them they're scared they're intimidated like we look scary. We got tattoos on our faces. We wear all black. We fucking like weird, crazy music. Um, Mm. so to, so to be greeted with a smile and treated like she's important because ultimately she is, you know, she's the reason that he's paying your Christmas. Exactly. That's the reason I got presents under my tree and shoes on my feet. And I got this computer that I can talk to you with is because of those people and they're important. Um, and to keep nurturing that, um, you're sitting with someone for, I, I don't know, four to eight hours a day, intimately close. Um, you get to know their passions, their fears, their desires, their dreams, uh, their loves, their hates, um, where they, well, I'm going to say you,
0: you do, if you're going to end up with a client that comes back, but in some cases you don't, but you'll never see that person again. And you'll never, they, they're not putting Christmas tree presents under your tree. Right,
1: you know, and, and it seems like a lot of times the the people that that bitch about, um, uh, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Those are usually the people that have no money, because I the people that have money know that it's not about the money, but just being genuine and caring about someone and giving them the best tattoo you can possibly give them. Money is just part of the process and it just flows mm-hmm. to it and you know there's a there's a famous gary V quote i like because you were talking about like the imagination of like this glass ceiling and it's um, mm-hmm. you could charge the cheapest in the city and someone's always going to bitch that you're too expensive and the flip side of that is you could charge the most in the city and you'll always find somebody willing to pay it and art beauty is in the eye of the beholder dude uh, picasso I think his art sucks. I'm not a fan of it.
0: I'm with but, you there,
1: but I'm sure that he's got priceless, multi-million-dollar paintings that look like a fucking child did them. Who am Help. I to say that that's
0: not worth that? You know, literally blue lines of a butt. And like, <laughs> how how much did that sell for? That really, it doesn't matter what medium it is. You guys put what medium this is. It could have been fucking Cran, okay? I don't care. It's fucking blue lines of an out of shape butt. This person's not even doing squats. It's not the and it's a weird reference. It doesn't have any. I'm sorry to go on. It, I I love it. I'm I'm at the fucking museum and all these people with. I got the same audio tour going through my thing and they're all. Mm. oh and they're (laughs) pouring over this crap this literal fucking crap it's like oh yes this is worth it i'm like we're all sheep we are sheep we're just fucking bad bad (laughs) the the genius of picasso and i love the man if you can't tell (laughs) is that he knew it recognized it used it and then used used his ex his i don't know it's almost like he he made you smell your own poop or something and he used that to make his money he's like listen yeah the art world it's shit it's literal shit if i act the right way i can get more than if i gave a fuck and i'm gonna do just that and i did it and now i'm friends with dolly and he has to actually do paintings (laughs) exactly
1: man you know it's it's funny that um people will tattoo artists and clients alike will complain about a price of a tattoo, but on their wedding day, will go and spend $2,000 to have their hair done for one day here. You're (laughs) dealing with something literally that you're going to take to the grave with you. Um, And it's just, We're, we're at a, a revolution of, you know, the art side of tattooing has been at that revolution point pretty much since I've started tattooing, like it just becomes amazing. And now it's to the point to where it's like, we know what we're doing. We've got the best machines, the best ink the best needles. Now it's going to rely on people's imaginations. And,
0: um, we're at a scary point with that, with that. I mean, the best of everything, just as you said, and now it is that it's, uh, where does it go?
1: Well, now the, the, the more business model, um, the more professional upper echelon is starting to step in, which I love a fucking walk-in shop too. a little tratty fucking bangers, knocking out fucking tattoos left and right, doing walk-ins. That shit's great. I grew up doing that, Uh, Mm um, But for someone like, you know, it's just like a, a
0: that's uh, a grind still, though, because it's not when you're when your books don't fill up that way. When you can do a tattoo within two hours and uh, beyond to the next one, then there's also a lot of times you can make real good money for that day or that week. And then September to February is just, damn, how am I going to pay these bills, man?
1: Totally, and, and that again it resides on uh, that people don't care that you know until they know that you care. Um, and, and it that see the fun thing about recovery and, and why I think I'm such a big fan and coach of, of TBM is because anytime I point a finger at someone, I got three pointing right back at me, and I am always the common denominator in any scenario, even if I want to try and say that it's this or that, or it's the area of town I'm in, or the state I'm in, or because I worked at this past shop or whatever, if, if it's always resides on me. Um, and, you know, if if you've been in the tattoo industry a little bit, and, and you have a dead season, well, if you're aware that it's coming, so it's like, well, what are some solutions we can do to implement to keep from having a slow season this this following mm-hmm. year? You know, what are some some things that I can do to
0: make avoid sure that- writing 50 percent off gift certificates for oh, sale yes. from Thursday, Black Friday <laughs> starts. And <laughs> these tattoo shops are now just in the habit of killing their business during the fast season. And I they don't recognize. I play Call of Duty. And I, I watch UFC fights. I find a similarity to so much. It is. So many things are about how you choose to spend your resources and recognizing what your resources are. And people in business of tattooing don't recognize how they kill themselves by writing a 50% off gift certificate at Black Friday and then spend February when they should be making that tax money. Like it the only way I would say, t- if you want to run 50% off KISS certificates, they can only be done from the month of se- September or from the months of, of, if you read it, wrote it in November, it can only be done in November to uh, January and expect that that's going to be your, you're making half off season, but at least you're making half. Right. Because if, if you run that at all and, and limit the time during the fast season, that you Like you're like, well, I'll have one day when I'm busy, you know, I'll, I'll dedicate one day to doing these, you know, gift certificates, but you're going to shortchange them. They're not getting the full. Yeah, they get the money and the time's worth quotations marks, but you're not making those choices that bring it to that next level of tattooing. Exactly. You're playing to a lower, uh, you know, level and you know that so you're forcing it in and now at the same time your resources that should be spent right now in february on making that tax income money that's getting in everybody's pockets hot footing it you know they're like i don't know where to spend it. i'm either gonna get a plasma t- i don't know they don't make plasmas anymore do they? i'm either getting a big screen tv or i'm getting a tattoo well if i'm busy doing a gift certificate i'm not making that money and right. i just fucked myself
1: I am not a fan of gift certificates and we, we've had them briefly here at aisle nine and we never really did. It. Basically what it was, was just an exchange. So if you want a $200 gift certificate, then you just give us 200 bucks, but it's gotten to the point to where it just got confusing and stressful. And it's like, let's just kind of ex the, the, yeah. the gift certificates all around. And, um, uh, I I'm a big component of like raising our prices, like gas raises, you know, and, uh, Prices for food raises like it's just uh, uh, the natural way that things go. And I believe that all the tattoo artists and listeners to this are way devaluing themselves. And it's important for people to have skin in the game, you know, Um, to actually, you, you know, if you're serious and you really want this, well, that's cool. Give me a deposit. I'm big on deposits too. I take half down when I get a deposit because like, if you're serious, then why not put half down now? That's just less money. I, when I get tattooed, the last uh, last few artists I get tattooed from, I love it when they take half down for a deposit because I forget that I gave them half down and I'll show up with the full amount uh, and be like, oh, I already gave oh, you got the money deposit. in your pocket. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I like being a giver because people gave it to me so much. So I usually just give it. I'm like, fuck it. It's a big tip for you, dude. <laughs> but uh, it's just good to know if you're serious. Like, then let's play ball, you know, don't tease me with a good time. That reminds
0: me, you gave me a NUMA tattoo machine. You are a giver. And that is, (laughs) I found out from that NUMA 4 tattoo machine because I'd already bought the macro and you were like, well, this will be, you know, maybe if you want one setup because they're so changeable, you could use it like this or that. I was considering that. That NUMA 4 is all around. I don't know that you need, I don't need the macro. I don't need the bigger engine. Yeah, that little guy's nice, lightweight, easy to go, little loud, scares a lot of people off when they want to. <laughs> if they're from the pen, you know, they're like, wait a second, man. This is like, I just heard a coil machine start up. But if, <laughs> if, when that thing hits the skin, it's like a coil machine, too. And I've just fallen in love with that.
1: Like, man, that's happy to hear thank dude. you. I- they carson is a disruptor of the tattoo industry for sure and i've just i love those machines man and and yeah total honor dude like when i heard you talking about it you know you're i might get another one and i was like well i got this extra one laying around let me go
0: grab that real quick dude i it is i would recommend anybody to try that's looking at the website carson i think has a problem on his website and that is there's way too many options he's such a tinkerer (laughs) you know what i don't know if i told him this i had him on the podcast i don't know if i told him this i hope i did because i'm going to say it now lyle tuttle told me about danny fowler something that i would apply probably to carson hill as well danny fowler made the time machine which was a, a beautiful machine uh back in the day it was the you know one of the coil machines that was the stamp like once you had a time machine tattoo machine by danny fowler like you had made it in the industry (laughs) and that thing had so many adjustments the lyle said of it that it meant danny fowler played with his dick too much as a kid (laughs) <laughs> and I say, what? He says, isn't that what they say about tinkerers? They play with their dicks too much. And that's why they I'm like, I'd never heard that before. But I'm gonna say Carson has the same problem on his website. You get there and a a lot I've talked to other artists that have felt overwhelmed by it and they haven't made a purchase um because they're like, I don't know where to go. So if if you want to hear it from me, 20% is the stroke length you need to start with. Get the pneuma the cheapest one he's got. You get the bigger one when, when your work has gotten up there to where like I'm doing these huge bag pieces, I I, I pull out a 45 mag on a routine. You might need that bigger one. It, it, you actually though you use the Modus right, which is even the bigger bigger one or the macro.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I'm I'm blessed to be sponsored by Numa Man, and they've they've sent me both of them. Plus, I've had the Numa fours, and it's like you know speaking and and talking and hanging out with Carson, he's just he he has that mind that never stops and those two i believe now i might be wrong were just from other artists because he's always real big into like knowing like where the weak link is so you would hear mm-hmm. hear feedback and then i think that may have been where like the modus and the the, the macro came from is is just tweaking Tweaking the Numa Four ultimately, but yeah, yeah, dude, like the the Numa Four, just the plain Numa Four, fucking pushes a forty five, and I can't. I I know it. The only reason that I know that there's a difference is because he told me there was. <laughs> Other than that, like, <laughs> right. it, it's like the same fucking machine.
0: Yes, I, I've it, slightly different way. I remember we talked about the differences of the shift weight, and then the weight of the engine in the um in the macro and the modus too and you find them to be more handy for the mode uh for for doing shading work but yes, that was yep. almost could be adjusted by simply buying a different grip with the NUMA four too if because totally. he has the shift grip available there too right
1: yeah i i use the shift grip for my shading and then like the 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 heavy closer to the the needle port uh yeah. for my lining so that way the weight just runs the line for me uh, i
0: have that tube still that it came with it because i bought a different one because i was like because I, I thought i liked a heavier one too and i was like maybe that's a bit much <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it's so cool because it feels like you got a fucking coil in your hand and it's a little louder than normal pins so yeah. it kind of sounds like a coil and th- and i know that the
0: um I get people that come up on me like that. Like, dude, I thought you were using a coil again. What the (laughs) fuck is that thing?
1: (laughs) But yeah, you know, I I get a lot of people reaching out to me and they're like, I don't know how to navigate this fucking website because there are options. But the cool thing is, is like once you pinpoint what you're wanting color wise and, you know, uh, cosmetically and what type of machine, once you get it, it is so simply put together that it's just like, oh, this is, you know, this is fucking
0: easy it seems genius in its simplicity something very similar to his his original NUMA machine which had a certain simplicity to it and a beauty to it as well Um, I just came across uh, I found it I didn't know if I still had it I just came across my NUMA um, hybrid do you remember the very the hybrid one he had when he was switching and he had the battery pack or the motor hookup that went on so the back of it
1: when when i started i remember um looking and seeing magazines and uh with the pneumatics with the air compression and mm-hmm. they slowly kind of died out and then i didn't hear about them anymore but i just remember real early on thinking like well that's crazy but it was cool to like see him come in with this pneuma four now so yeah yeah it, I, I may be well, the, the, the progression the has been look.
0: awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, he almost it to me he almost killed his own product because when he had everybody thinking that maybe, you know, Nico was using um, Mike DeVries, were using these all these amazing artists were using the new tattoo machine uh, with that was pneumatic at the time but they also had to deal with this air compressor at the tattoo conventions like you you could set up your shop kind of you know but it it would took some retrofitting so that you could run these little awesome machines and then there wasn't as much like speed control really either for him Mm -hmm. um but then he he built the hybrid and the hybrid turned it off so you could use it as an air machine but then you could also use it as a um As a regular rotary machine. Well, as soon as that happened, I believe it broke the stigma in everybody's mind about not being able to use rotaries because they're like, wait a second. So that's just a rotary. I'll try a generation four, a generation one, a generation two, whatever the swash drives started coming out. I saw Mike DeVries had one of those next, and I was like, oh, the wind's changing, you know? And, yeah, and I, I,
1: I had a swatch drive actually, um, while I was having coils because, you know, like, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I like to think that like rotaries came around because of prison machines, because that's yeah. basically what we were using in the joint, you know, with the Walkman motor. Um, so mm-hmm. once those start, I remember the first time I tried a, a Cheyenne, um, Thunder. I was like, "Oh my gosh! I don't, I don't have to set up five machines to fucking
0: did run." You, and did you start looking over your shoulder like there was a guard? You had to check for a guard to <laughs> yeah. looking at Like I'm right back in the pen, man. Yeah. But the oh, cartridge yeah. system was awesome, though. It it
1: was a game changer, and, and at that time, I was still just a just a little baby. So, like. I fucking was like, how much is a box of cartridges? And they're like, fucking $40. And I was like, $40? I ain't got that type of money. What the fuck? How much is the machine? And it was like $800. I'm like, hell no. Nah.
0: Yes. Well, that's left for those that do good tattoos then, I guess. Yeah, I'll be exactly. over here <laughs> scratching with my Walkman, my modified electric guitar string. Yeah. <laughs> What kind of ink you using, Pelican? That's thirty-two bottles, thirty-two dollars for thirty-two ounces. No, thank you. I can. I've got petroleum jelly. I'll, I'll I'll burn (laughs) into and collect the soot. It's funny how that that kind of thinking also holds you back, though, doesn't it? I mean, you've realized that now, I imagine for sure. Oh, you you, like the lack mentality. Yeah, like I won't Why 40 bucks on a needle. Or, and that And that was it was four bucks, each one of those needles. And you're like, fuck, I might use four different needles throughout that. Now that you've just opened up the door for me to use all kinds of different needle configurations because I don't need to set up four different machines. So awesome. But now I got to pay four dollars each one. There's sixteen dollars out there on my fucking lap cloth. And in my little, my, my lizard brain, my, my, what do you call it? Broke mentality. What was that? Uh, Lack mentality. Lack mentality. I choose not to. And yet my work then doesn't, doesn't have that higher level. And now I'm stuck down there in the mire, never being able to afford those sour grapes, you know,
1: Which is why, like, even more so of a miracle or, you know, I'm just the blessing of of like uh, seeing something in Matt and then like working hard to get to a point to where uh, I was able to work by him and him like start instilling that like, you know, uh, that it's not it's not the tyranny of or, but it's the abundance of and so it's like. How can I keep working the way I'm working and save up money to get this Cheyenne or these four dollar cartridges and you know
0: or this uh, course in TBM actually, as I've heard people talk yeah. to. That as people yep. have, have told me, man, I, I don't have the money to get into this. And my understanding is is sometimes spending the money itself. Whether or not you're at least that's always been my mentality with doing seminars. Even if you get ripped off on a seminar, if you're like, that was not worth the money I spent, you never get ripped off because the money you spent helps increase your own interest to learn more.
1: You you might even
0: go and try and fill the gaps in what you spent that you're like, I spent $150 this weekend, went to a seminar. We didn't do anything in that seminar. I got anything from, so then I went to YouTube then I went to Google, then I, I went to my shop, I had the same que- I knew what questions I wanted to ask now. All that money spent set you on that course. But when it's spent with the right place or position, people who understanding of what I hear is being taught at TBM. Because honestly, yeah. I'm there too. I'm, I'm at a point now where because uh, I just I, 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 lack mentality. I recognize it, and that's as far as it goes. do you follow me? i'm slowly getting into that but mm -hmm.
1: it it, exactly and that that's fine because that that progression is the same with everybody and it's uh you know mastery is never uh in an end there's no end to mastery it's a constant growth of knowledge and relearning because a lot of things that um we teach believe it or not it's just remembering um You know, some people it's new to, but a lot of people we've heard along the ways and it just never hit like it did. And even I still suffer and lack mentality sometimes. But the big thing, too, about the community and why it's important is the therapeutic value of one tattooer helping another tattooer. So like that accountability point. You know, I say that that's one of the indispensable principles with TBN and it was the accountability, you know, because like we'll get in our head and that fucking lizard brain and that monkey mindset will kick in and we'll forget what we've learned only for one of our brothers in the community or sisters in the community to be like, oh, no, nah, we, we ain't living like that today. Don't you remember this, this and this? And you're like, oh, that's right. And we get to hold each other accountable and set each other back in the past.
0: Uh, don't you remember this clamorism? yeah right (laughs) (laughs) which i think we were talking i heard you mentioned something that i think i took from him and i've loved so much i could be wrong help me know if uh if i did um i if i'm not the problem i can't be the solution or maybe it was even if i'm not part of the problem i can't be part of the solution is that something that is a clamorism
1: Well, so that is actually what I say. And it's, um, it's, it's me just regurgitating recovery because that's something we say in recovery. If I'm not the problem, there is no solution. And basically dwell
0: on that, man, that's got depth and it goes on and on. Dude. It took me five
1: years being clean to actually feel what that was saying, which is basically I can't, I'm anything that happens. I play, I'm a volunteer for it all. So I cannot complain about anything because I, if I do, then I'm the problem. And, and I feel like, like
0: there's a principle too. I'm sorry to cut you off on this, but I mean, I, there a duplicity to this as well that if I want to find any problems, if I want, or if I want to find any solutions, if I want to be solution oriented, that really also means I'm going to be finding problems all the time. I, I should be prepared for it. I shouldn't expect that they're drastic or something like this is normal. If I'm going to try and be solution oriented, I'm going to have to be the problem a lot.
1: Oh, totally, man, because now now you're now you're talking about personal accountability and and holding yourself to a higher standard. You know,
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. racism is a problem. If I'm not that problem, I can't be a solution. So how can I be a solution to that problem? And you might say, well, I'm not racist I can't fucking be this it's So fucking I'm not going to do anything Well, good, nothing gets done Well, not good, but nothing gets done But even if I say, yeah, I'm not racist But I can also speak up at times I can advocate uh, against, you know, at times I can, um, when someone leans in And does the look around about to tell me a joke I can say, no, it's not cool Right, you know? Like, these are all small things that I can do, but they will eventually. They are the only things that I can do, maybe, you know?
1: Yep. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, no, Uh, no, it's beautiful. So that's
0: actually, well, I love, uh, good, I hope you get that back then, because gratitude is definitely, has to flow your way then, for me, because that has been a key part of, like, it just keeps going in my head. I love that so much. Because now even anytime I have a solution or, you know, anytime I hear any problem that I might not feel a relation to, like, well, that's not my problem. I almost try to interject myself into that. Well, how can I be the problem here? Because now I'm also asking, well, how can I now be the solution?
1: Man, you know, it's like uh, the tribes back in the day, they would ask each other, you know, how are the children? Um, when they would speak to a, a neighboring tribe and basically what that was saying is like if the children are good then we are good even in our tribe. If your children are good then my tribe and my children are good. So they would always ask each other, how are the children? Um, which is just goes to show that like we focus on sim the majority of life focuses on differences, but what we need to be focusing on focusing on is the similarities. Like, you know, when I take a shit, I gotta wipe
0: my ass just like you do. Um, i got a day, man i'm one i'm a step ahead oh okay I, 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 <laughs> whoa <hey>. <laughs> <laughs> i became part of that problem and uh you got no solution. I, but yes it had to, it, it has to be cleaned i'm following you yeah yeah
1: so you know if we focus on the similarities and ultimately problems Are just lessons. That's all they are. They're not good, bad, right, or wrong. They're just lessons. That's how it builds character. You know, imagine a life without problems. That would be so mundane and tedious and just boring.
0: I, I, that is, yes. I'm I'm writing a play. I've never written it because I'm terrible at writing, but it is in my head in many different acts, six of them, and it's about a man who makes it to heaven. Um, and so I'm always thinking about heaven. And my I hear that there is, you know, from my mother's Christian standpoint, in heaven, there are no problems. And I f- feel so bored. I'm like, I you're not selling it to me. Like she also tells me there's no cocaine. And I'm like, why am I not doing it now then? <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> she's like, you won't want to have sex in heaven either. Like, whoa, mom, slow down. you want me to show up right
1: you know there was this it's funny you said heaven because there's this um atheist comedian that i like and he said uh he said for all you religious people out there um waiting to get to heaven why not make people around you feel like they're in heaven right now and i was like oh damn that's fucking powerful man like why wait why not start now why not create
0: Heaven? Unironically, ironically, or, or I guess ironically, it is also a teaching of the Bible to make it heaven, to do these things that would make that so awesome. Like, oh, there's no judgment in heaven. Okay. That sounds really cool. Let's do that. Yes. <laughs> there's so much empathy in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. Oh, so like maybe we should work to making sure that people are not sick. Yes. Like in a helpful way, not in a way like, oh damn, he's sick. Sorry, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> he probably did the wrong shit. <laughs> um so, so, I, I look forward to the society that is going to be created from all of this. And so that that's why because I know that without I, I dread every day. I'm such a uh, um <laughs> am I a hypocrite now? I don't know. I, I dread every day I see uh articles on, on, on my environment on my political environment um just being i live in flint michigan where they poisoned our water yes. uh, and i see that and i don't know that it's some it could really draw you down and it does but i also know that i'm part of the problem i have to be if i in the, the biggest part of this problem that i am is to always look on it so negatively So these challenges that are huge, like environmental catastrophes, um, poisoning of large amounts of people's water, like these things, I have to be the problem in somehow to, to uh, then be the solution. And one of the best things I can do is try to be positive about it, to inspire people to see these problems as challenges so that smarter people than me won't be scared to, cause I ain't smart. I ain't fixed. I wouldn't have told, I probably would have poisoned the ball here in Flint too. Like saves $14 a day. Fuck yeah. We need to save some money.
1: <laughs> yeah. And see like right there, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, being the attraction versus promoting, you know, you just be, the attraction, you start to be, you know, it's all right to think negative because we got negativity being thrown at us um, from all angles because that's what the media does. And fortunately... Or unfortunately, like the positive side and the things that are happening that are good are more like a, a distinguished gentleman. They're just silent. They're not screaming <laughs> like the negative is. But <laughs> Well, I know, had, had a
0: reply, but I didn't think there was any room for me to interject with so many egos shouting.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I do declare.
0: oh a southern gentleman right on i just imagined english gentleman i follow yeah well you mark twain me up and i will uh i don't know is it churchill he probably wasn't a gentleman though was he
1: (laughs) wasn't he the the crippled
0: i don't believe i I think he had a cane in the end of his days but uh who was in in a wheelchair in america it was uh roosevelt roosevelt yep not teddy uh, he, he was on the horse <laughs> But <laughs> But yes uh, I do declare it myself uh, I do declare I've had a blast Talking with you and I probably should wrap this up And let you get to your day um, And I want to thank you again Because especially now Finding out that you're the one that I, I thought I had a klemerism that just Impacted my life so much <laughs> <laughs> But it's a hippism <laughs> it's a regurgitated Which, hipism oh it's it's you know what i is this ironic about i love working on um recovery people like like tattooing I, I lo- them yeah i hate fucking inspirational quotes on posters and and calendars but I love them when someone lives through them, and you're just like, when I'm tattooing them, and they're just like, "Dude, I'm just trying to do the next right thing." You know what I'm saying? You're like, "Yeah, I know you're saying you've been in 12 steps before, huh?" Yeah,
1: yeah, just for today, man. Just for today. Just for the day. Yeah,
0: I'm like I know you know the Serenity Prayer. That's what I know. Um, I don't know why I like that. So, but it, it does. It, it honestly. I think that I like it. I know that now that I think about it, I like it because I am often drawn as we all are to the negative and these kind of positive uplifting things become small answers to those same negative thoughts that dispel them. And, and I'm better without those negative thoughts. You know, I, the problems I'm not better without, I'm not trying to put my head in the sand. I'm trying to, you know, address them. And so that's why I like, these these hip <laughs> these clamorisms how did we become hip though hip is also as i've just learned an anagram
1: yes it stands okay. for uh, helping inspire people and it started uh about sixth grade um i had real long hair i listened to the beatles and zeppelin and the doors i wore my mom's bell bottoms i had woodstock t-shirts i ate dirt and i worshiped trees and wore petroleum
0: (laughs) (laughs) how much of this is serious i can see all every
1: single bit of it you did the macrame too oh yeah i made i made a because you know like i made macrame
0: flipping off keychains and i'll look like a middle (laughs) finger and it'll flip you off
1: we'll see like uh you know i i got into the the hippie movement a couple decades too late and um, everybody was wearing chain wallets so i fucking had a pair of jinkos on with a long hemp chain wallet um and i had like bullets and shit macrame into it and beads that i would collected <laughs> so everybody was just calling me hippie you know and um eventually you know i grew into other genres of music and my my heavy metal and death metal and hip-hop and just a, a wide range of stuff and then eventually just uh the hip you know I still got a bunch of childhood friends and people when they see me when they know that's my nickname they'll call me hippie but a lot of people just call me hip
0: now right on so it did start that early on it did yes when did the anagram come in did you make uh, it, it – was it at sixth grade that you're like, yeah, I'm all about highly inspiring people?
1: <laughs> Fuck no. So that's that, that came – Man, that came maybe like five years ago. Um, when I first got clean, um, they they said, you know, you only got to change one thing, and that's everything. So I I still <laughs> – You know, in an anonymous, in anonymous room, I go by hip and, and, you know, when I first came around, they're like, well, that's old behavior. You can't do that. And I was just like, you know, fuck you eat a dick. And I just kept it up. (laughs) And and over time, you know, hip was like, you know, hip hippie. That's who they knew me on the streets and in the drug world. So it was like, well, how can I make this mean something different Different. than what it used to
0: mean? Helping inspire people. Easily as good as the back of Tom Brady's helmet, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is inspired change. Um, yeah, man, I weigh, I know way more about football. It's either here's two things that have happened I don't know, one's funny and one's not, or maybe it's maybe it's tragic. I don't know. Uh, the Lions are doing better than they ever have before since Peyton Manning and uh, Dumb and Dumber's Jeff Daniels. Did, removed a hex that a former quarterback bobby lane put on the detroit lions since they removed the hex they have not lost a game really true as shit all right now also so that inspires something also though i wonder like my wife's far bigger fan than myself and, and now that I am watching football, I'm, and she's kind of brought me into it. She's watching it Sunday morning. It's all day long. It was all day yesterday. Uh, it'll probably be tonight. It's today Monday. They do Monday night football, too, I think. And, and maybe I'm just a pecker-peeper man, but they're not wearing their cups. And I wonder if this, can, if this change has occurred around the same time my wife's interest in these heavily athleticized. These guys are doing squats. I don't know if you know this right but there you is not a the member on that fucking team that is not doing they're not wearing their cups and these guys are just showing i must be a pecker peeper or something maybe it's just me <laughs> all the guys i talked to are like what are you talking about like yeah you don't notice i also noticed the fan base all the market if you watch the ads now to prove that i i i may have i'm i'm Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just a pecker peeper. And you're right. Nobody else is seeing this. This is all just in my head. Right. (laughs) But the advertisement is very female. Now there's a very heavy handed female advertisement. There's still your, your, you know, your basic, you know, Budweiser commercial is going to make you sexy, drink enough beer. The girl's going to think you're hot that there's that. But now there's a lot more vacuum cleaners there's there's a lot more perfumes being sold during the fucking super bowl <laughs> just saying just saying
1: Man, you know i used to uh i played football heavily and was pretty good at it in high school um but drugs took over and as a little kid i i've never been big on watching it but except when i was a little kid my, my team was the browns um and Believe then as browns. I, yep and uh my, my just brother, like your
0: your river down there right Oh yeah. Yep. Catches on fire. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, you know, we got the
1: Bengals too. So we, we kind of got a streak of not winning shit either in
0: Ohio. (laughs) That's why everybody likes the college so much. Yeah. Cause they actually can do something. (laughs) Yeah. They see my Michigan uh, tags and they got to pull me over. Just be like, uh, yeah. And before I write you this ticket, I just want to say one more thing. I saw that you're from Michigan go bucks. (laughs) <laughs> I, fucking that. I hate football man fucking hate it that just <laughs> helps me hate it more having to go through ohio every time i leave michigan to go anywhere out of this country <laughs> out of this state you know this is the your cops there is like one you're always working on your when are your highways going to be done are they getting there is that yeah, are they going to move to the potholes in the city next, or are they just going to leave them alone? I know that everywhere I go is a uh, a watch out. There's a cop. It's and it will, There's no road work going on. It's like you guys just go out. To try and increase your revenues for your police officers, so they can pull over people with Michigan tags, and because you guys all recognize that your hatred of Michigan fans runs so deep that you would even cut into someone like myself, who you know what? I I'll say it. I hate Michigan too. I hate the team Michigan. <laughs> Fuck the golden blue. My brother's out there in state. Uh, that's the green and white or something. Fuck go state. Yay. Um, <laughs> but but you, you you your hatred of us runs so deep that you will allow your highways to be down to one lane just so that you can <laughs> continually ticket michiganders <laughs> uh, my wrong is, is this not no, part dude. of the meeting that you guys have i
1: i i'm not big on the sports ball for, for, <laughs> as a matter of fact ball. when michigan uh played uh when was it thanksgiving um I was at uh, my wife's uncle's house, and they're all Ohio State fans, but they don't know me too well yet. But till my other buddies are OU fans, and they're fucking nuts about it. So every time Michigan would score, I would send them a mean and be like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. Let's go blue. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the dude that that will root for the opposite team if there's a majority of the other team in the world. Yeah,
0: you did say you were the martyr that's my favorite thing to see in the stands anytime they go out is like you know that one jersey that's off color amidst everybody else either either he's cheering the loudest or he's just shutting up the most you know
1: Yeah, last year year when the Bengals uh, went against the the Rams at Super Bowl, they kept inviting. They kept wanting me to come over. I'm like, once I get done tattooing, I'll come over. As soon as I get there, I'm like, all right, let's go L.A., baby. And they ended up beating (laughs) the Bengals. And they were like, why in the
0: fuck do we even (laughs) (laughs) It was you. You did it. You're the one that made Matthew Stafford play so damn good. (laughs) I don't even think he played good that game, if I recall. I think I watched that one, too. I feel like that was – uh, I don't know. It was it was kind of a shitty Super Bowl, wasn't it? Like, Um oh, well, you didn't yeah. even watch it? What am I asking? Yeah, I guess I, I should. I I asked that because you're eight foot tall. You're at <laughs> least two fifty, brah. You should be on the line somewhere. You're right. You you did used to crush it when you played football. Fuck them drugs got in the way of a career. Oh well, you would have blown out your ACL. It would have yeah. been terrible.
1: Yeah, and then I would have gotten to tattooing real late and fucking. <laughs>
0: I used to be a pro baller, actually, to tell the truth, uh, and now I blew up my ACL. tattoo. I know a uh, um, I know a couple of football players that tattoo. Made rich. He used to play. He was very good at it. Uh, I Feel like another um, Mario Daggett, who uh, is an actor now in Cali, uh, but also is a tattoo artist who gave me my first job in California ever, when I was groveling on the streets. Hmm. Um, but that's a story for another time. i i I know i'm taking you from your dad i've been having so much fun talking about pecker peeping football stars i guess i I need to shut the like calm that one down kyle um i'll let you get to it brother thank you so much is there anything we should we should plug we should tag pneuma tattoo machines i know we already covered because they're fucking awesome we went over tbm and i think people should look into tbm consider having a course uh, and going through TBM to improve your tattooing. And there is your Instagram that we talked about that was hip underscore. Could you remind me again? Hip underscore 81. Was that the year? That can't be the year you were born. It is. Oh, you're younger. You're a young kid. You're like this. You were growing up in the the strange times days. Yes. Or what they tell me it was. Right on.
1: (laughs) and uh and and roller skating
0: weird hair guts flocks of seagulls oh yeah (laughs) tears (laughs) of
1: fear what what
0: what else should we is there anything else to talk of or or Uh, to um send people into the direction of
1: uh instagram for tattoo guardians at the tattoo guardians podcast uh like share hit the
0: hit, hit, hit the, hit the like button, follow button. Um, and yeah, just let me hold you on for another five minutes to talk about that. Is that fair? Do you got that time? Yeah, for sure. Now that I think about it, I wanted to, um, tattoo guardians podcast is awesome. And if everybody definitely listened to what one thing that I want to say that I love about podcasting is just that this, uh, reciprocal kind of community where there's not, all this backbiting you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like uh it feels not like tattooing (laughs) like as i've done podcasts um now it seems like people are accepting and uh i don't know cool all the way around like they they this is where people want you to excel because their platform helps your platform excel if that makes sense it's not like a huge competition. Everybody has enough time in their day to listen to podcasts.
1: Man, which is funny because it's like that that you could take a note from that and, and apply it to the tattoo industry. So it's like, hey, local shops, you can go to other local shops and fucking you guys can both thrive and help each other out instead of hate each other.
0: Have you found in your industry then in your area where you're at? I know that Clemmer's got it. He's, he's got to be a lightning rod for distrust and hatred from the same
1: 100 percent, and it just drapes over into aisle nine you know and um, then how because, is
0: it around the area as shops related to you are you able to have friends in that area do people backbite that kind
1: you know the, the the crazy thing is and i don't know if it's like just the one trick ponies but it, it
0: seems like
1: the higher up you get and like the more you broaden your your foundation, meaning like traveling, meeting other people in other areas. Those people that do the same are fucking sweethearts, humble pie, super cool, willing to help. Um, but when it's like the one trick ponies of people that think conventions are rigged and everything's Photoshopped and you can't learn nothing, just stay here and, and figure it out yourself that's where it seems that every area I go to, there's always those group of shops. So like Truth and Triumph, those dudes are sweethearts. Brian Brenner, that's Matt's mentor. Um, he's also mentored Cotterman and Big Knees. We're cool with Kyle. Big I'm well familiar shop. with
0: with uh, and his son Brian Brenner has a son that tattoos as well. Am I wrong?
1: He is starting to an to do an apprenticeship.
0: Okay. Yes. For, yeah, we I've seen Brenner's work. He, he was one of the first people from Ohio that really had like a unique that I noted, I shouldn't say first person in Ohio, but that, I noted. And I was like, I can see his pieces walking, you know? Oh
1: yeah, dude. Still the same. Like I can see his pieces and Matt's work is how profound it is. And that spilled over into another artist, Zach. And I can see Brenner's work in Zach. So that's, you know, two generations down from Brian. Like he is very, I, I'm That's so awesome. envious to know that like you it, it, to have a style that is so profound that people just know, which ultimately all stems from St. Mark, you know, really? Yeah. Did he, he, he
0: teach her? He was working with Brenner.
1: Yep. They're about the Brenner, same age. Or? Mm-hmm. They, they, they started together. St. Mark was tattooing before then. And funny story, the Salem mall here in the West side of Dayton, St. Mark and Brenner used to be uh, spray painting t-shirts at the mall and then they just got a wild hair up their ass and st mark went and started tattooing and brenner followed um and carlton is a part of that legacy so like there's a lot of fucking history um when it comes to like um i love that in in the industry from from dayton man i'm lucky to be here
0: that is awesome i i love that because um i wasn't aware obviously carlton I, I knew, I didn't even know that he was influenced by, um, Mark St. Mark in such a way until I heard the podcast. I don't know that I got, got to get all the way through that. It might've been a short trip that we were taking, but, uh, I, I love that. Like I, I well, cause I love Mark. He's fucking, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, dude.
1: He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a very poker too. I appreciate it. But it was, it was a beautiful thing because that night at the podcast, um, matt me brenner and carlton were all paying homage to him and he was like sitting back like very humble and meek and just like receiving the compliments of like all these people in the room are there because he's there
0: was it tough for him? i would i would want to get out of that room so bad <laughs> was it tough for him i i <laughs> I, I don't i don't know him can su- be conceited but he is playing a character
1: anytime i've
0: seen him conceited
1: he is as a matter of fact i didn't even know who the fuck he was i just knew he was that douchebag on fucking Ink master that was calling himself a tattoo god and then yes. i heard people start talking about mark ag mark ag and i'm like i asked matt i was like who the fuck's mark ag he's like saint mark saint and i'm like a fucking dickhead on <laughs> he's like yeah he's the reason we're here and i'm like get the fuck out of here and then so i started like studying my history and i'm like i'll be goddamn he's like my great 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 grandpa
0: yeah he's in he's in your lineage that's Man. that's fucking awesome all right this time for real I have stayed too long. I have said too much. So I'm going to get off of here. Hip, I really appreciate you being on here, man. Um, look forward to seeing you on the road. Sorry. Thanks, thanks for talking.
1: I'm mm-hmm. Happy to do. Thank you. It was such an honor. No problem.